mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome again to Telling Everybody Everything. To start the podcast off this week, of course I have to address the absolute cliffhanger last week. The very... Scary story of my personal friend who has had her children effectively kidnapped by their dad, though it's not kidnapping technically because there's no custody arrangement and they are his kids. It is the scariest, messiest situation. The update on that is she was finally, after not seeing her kids for three weeks, able to get an emergency hearing. The word emergency to me would signify, you know, some action later that day, but it can take a month or it can take more than months. So she was able to get this hearing and then they issued an order where, because he had been abusive and he's harassing her, he's not allowed to harass her anymore. She had this order before, but she was allowing him to see the kids on weekends anyway, because she, you know, she didn't want to deny him access to her kids. And I told her not to do it because of the order, because of the abuse, but so basically the same order is back again. And then the judge said the kids should go back to their mom, but that has not happened. That still has not happened. And it's been another week. So I don't know why that has not happened. And a lot of people have written in, so many people have written in. I can't read all the emails. Just again, heed my warning that you should never have children with someone that you think could ever be dangerous. Like just watch your partner make a phone call to like a customer services department and see his demeanor with that customer service representative when he's pissed off. And that is a window into how he's going to treat you when he's pissed off. And if he is someone who's like vengeful or super litigious or petty or uh, controlling or feels like he takes ownership of you at all, then that will be amplified by a thousand percent when you have his children. Thank you to so many listeners who are professionals in this area, either like in child services, family law, psychiatrics. I had one letter from Nicola, whose husband Byron is the number one um, international family lawyer, and he is just amazing. I looked it up like he's won all these awards. He's at expatriotpatriotlaw.com. You can read all about him and how smart he is. Even reach out to him if you have problems. Um, He has offered to speak to my friend for free, which is, you know, a godsend to her. And you might be wondering like, well, Catherine, you can afford it. Yeah, but like in this, in these cases, it's not even about the money. Like I would pay for her and help her to get a consultation. I'm sure she could even pay herself to get, but it's not a money thing. It's like an ongoing, frustrating struggle for so many people who have money. Almost like the more money you have, then the more of a problem it is because the more money they have. And then you, you know what I mean. So here's here's what he has said. Catherine, I listened to your friend's family law problem. I have been a family lawyer for 18 years. There are strategies available for your friend. No one, lest alone the children, should have to endure a status quo where there is no time spent between both parents and the children in separation. My overall advice for your listeners, don't be passive in separation. You get more of what you tolerate. Instead, protect that which you care about and don't compromise if it isn't right. Don't be conflict averse. The quality of your lawyer dictates a lot in family law, but so does the personality of the people involved. 
Family law sadly suffers from a lot of misinformation and misunderstandings, usually generated by people online misreporting their own cases. It is a complex area of law. No two outcomes are the same. Look out for good advice when it comes and follow it. Be proactive. Good luck to your friend. Last week, I did say at the beginning, I am only hearing her side of the story. I have heard for a number of years her side of the story. I don't speak to her husband. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, this is how she's reporting it to me. I trust her. As far as I know, these are the facts. And, you know, it struck a chord with a lot of you who have been through the same thing. Um, Dads as well as moms, same-sex partners, just people on both sides of a very messy family law dispute. So I think Byron's advice is something that you should hold on to. Hopefully you never find yourself in this situation, but I'm sorry, like, oh, I don't want to be a problem. This is no time to get British. It's like, be proactive, protect that which you care about the most, don't compromise. Yeah, you have to get out and get on top of it because, you know, you you try to make peace and go, oh, I just don't want to make him even more mad. But I... Again, I'm sorry to say I've seen situations where it goes from bad to worse and you always, in any partnership, will get more of what you tolerate. So, you know, I'm trying to keep my friend anonymous, um, but this is a problem that affects so many people. So I felt like I had to talk about it and I'm glad that I reached out because I got the best help for my friend. And I just hope that the children aren't too traumatized by what's going on and I hope that everyone is reunited, safe, happy, and healthy, and that there can be a long-term resolution going forward. As you know, we've had cameras in the house. We're doing a fun show for UK TV and Expectation, one of my very favorite production companies. And I reached out last week for contributors. If you don't know what we're looking for, listen to last week's podcast. There's also a dedicated email on there that you can contact if you want to maybe throw your hat in for being part of the show. It's a really positive show. We're looking for outside the box thinkers. In addition to that, I always get such a great response from the podcast. I thought I would give another shout out. I'm doing a series of interviews and I might need, I might need the following kinds of people. So if you are someone who might wanna be on television, who might wanna be on the podcast, who might wanna talk to me, who might want to tell your story, for this uh, shout out, you can email the podcast. That's telling everybody everything at gmail.com. I am looking to speak to potentially a former nanny for either celebrity or high net worth families who's ready to spill the tea. This is why I want you to be a former nanny. I don't want you to mess up any job opportunities that you have right now. Of course, you can talk anonymously. I just want to know, like, who's got tea to spill? Did you work for a very high net worth or maybe difficult or maybe demanding or maybe just like out of this world family that none of us can imagine? I want to hear about it. Um, I would like to talk to an older, successful, child-free, aspirational woman. Have you decided that you don't want to have kids and you're living your best life? And let me say, by the way, that I love my husband. I love Fena and Fred. But the change in my lifestyle that I chose for myself, while it is a blessing, it has unequivocally damaged my career. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like... 100%. I think that I would be more professionally successful today if it was still just Violet and myself. Does that mean I regret the kids? I regret getting married? Absolutely not. But yes, it is standing in the way of me executing what I need to for my career. So are you older than I am? Are you fabulous, fashionable, I don't know, maybe you have a bunch of little dogs, maybe you travel the world, maybe you're successful, Uh, whatever that picture of success looks like for you. Are you someone who chose to be child-free and you're killing it? I want to hear from you. Are you a dad who is happy to be honest about your partner's body, assuming you're in a heteronormative relationship and you have a woman partner who has given birth or a trans man partner who has given birth, someone who has given birth to a baby and their body changed? I want to know exactly how you feel, positive or negative, or maybe, you know, somewhere in between. How do you feel about how your partner's body has changed since they had a baby? I don't want to hear from a lesbian. Lesbians, stand down because I know what you're all going to say. You're all going to say exactly the right thing. I want to know what a man thinks about how his partner's body has changed since having children. 
Are you the mother of a autistic or disabled child? You're a vocal activist. I want to talk about what your experience is. And I've had some letters into the podcast that motivated me to ask this question because the the landscape of parenting looks different when you are navigating a different set of challenges to everyone else. I want to hear from you about like what people need to understand about you being out in the world, nurseries, parks, same spaces with their kids. How is life different from you? I mean, maybe it's better. Maybe sometimes it's worse. It's more challenging. Sometimes, you know, it's a wonderful spectrum of experiences. I want to hear from a mother of a child like that. Maybe I would like to hear from a mother of 1 million children, as many as you have. Who's got the most kids? Do I have a listener who's got 20 kids, 30 kids, nine kids, 10 kids adopted? Even better. I want to hear from someone who's ready to talk to me about the ups and downs, the swings and roundabouts of having many, many, many kids, because you know I'm struggling with three. Are you um, an IVF doctor? I would like to talk to you, very frankly, about what people go through to start their families when it is not as easy for them as it is for someone else. Are you a drag king? I love drag kings. I want to talk about gender. I want to talk about body issues. And I know I'm friends with a lot of drag queens and I've only met one or two drag kings. And I'll be honest with you, I was turned on by them. Drag kings, psh, I, you know, we've seen a few of them on television. They don't get the airtime that they deserve. The BBC has populated drag race and in America and in other countries with mostly boys dressing as drag queens. I want to hear from a drag king. If you don't know what that is, look it up. I would like to hear from a mom influencer, uh, formerly known as mommy blogger. Do you take your family and like make money from influencing your life online? Talking about sandwiches, cutting out those little shapes, like talking all about being a mom. You're beautiful. I know that you barrel curl your blonde hair and you take, you got like special filters on your phone. I'm not looking down on you at all. You know me. I'm never looking down on anyone. I'm open and curious. I want to hear what it's like from you. Are you a child psychologist? who wants to publicly talk to me. I just want to know, like, you know, what's the biggest thing parents are getting wrong? What's the biggest thing they're getting right? Like, what do you see in your practice? Of course, all of it needs to remain anonymous. I kind of want to hear from all these people. I I don't know in what capacity I'm going to use these interviews yet. But what I do know is that legally, I have to ask and you have to reach out to me if you want to be a contributor on one of my projects that I'm doing. And of course, everything I'm doing right now has to do with the world of parenting. And, you know, and if you're not a parent, it's still interesting. Maybe you're thinking like, hmm, maybe I'll be a parent. Well, watch all the shit that I'm doing now because I'm exploring as much as I can. Is there someone that you'd like to hear from that I haven't done a little shout out for? Everybody email me, telling everybody everything at gmail.com. All right. This weekend, those of you who follow me on Instagram, and if you don't, why not? My Instagram and all my socials are Cathbum. Twitter, I think, is still active, but I'm not on it. I put that fire site, garbage website straight in the bin. I'm not on it. But Cathbum is my username for TikTok, which I also don't use, and Instagram. You will have seen me influencing a family trip to the south of France. And everyone's like, oh, Catherine, what a magnificent holiday. And, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of arguments for and against traveling with small children. Some people say, why bother? They won't remember it. Why take them to Disneyland? They won't like it. They're going to kick off the entire time. And when they get home, they're going to be like, oh, do you know what the most fun is? is when, you know, I had a chip get stuck to my leg on the Eurostar. And you'd be like, what? I took you to fucking Disneyland. It cost me thousands. I took time off work. Like, So kids don't like anything. And I've heard a lot of people say, just don't do anything for them. They want to hang out in their house, in their backyard. They want to go to the park. That's all they want to do. But then I've heard an argument that says it is the times in your child's development that they don't remember that actually have the most influence. So you are shaping them to be out of their comfort zone. You are shaping them to be tolerant and to wait in queues and to be in the airport and to be a little bit frustrated and to be uncomfortable for a while and to have a new experience only then to realize that that's temporary and we arrive back eventually to the safety of our home and we grow stronger as a family and we learn from each other and we have to make space for each other and compromise. I really struggle to think that Fred is learning any of that from our travels. But look, 
I'm breastfeeding Fena. I like the family to all be together. And I was hired for an incredible corporate opportunity in the south of France this weekend. And the company that I was working for are so progressive that they said, we know you have small children, bring the family. And I said to Bobby, well, this is an amazing opportunity. You know, we can stay together. I want to do this job. It looks like so much fun. And then everybody, I guess, gets a holiday. We even brought Miriam, the nanny, which was a godsend, as it always is. So we were due to fly out of London Heathrow at, I believe it was 10.30 a.m. on the Friday. And when you look at travel like this, you go, do you know what? Getting to Nice Airport from Heathrow is an hour and a half, two hours tops. That's not far. That's not far, is it? But when you have to get to the airport for a 10.30 flight, you're leaving at 6 a.m., 7 a.m. I forget what it was. It feels like a lifetime ago. It was only last weekend. So we packed the night before. I have some things laid out. This is the thing with small kids. You can't pack everything the night before because you need a few things in the morning before you pack them. So I used to travel just with Violet with only a carry-on. And this is what you have to do. I tell everyone, if you can manage it, only bring a carry-on. No one works in baggage. There are no employees left in any airline, in any airport. Carry-on. And if there are bigger liquids that you need, you buy them when you land. When Violet and I were at our peak of living our best lives, we, I swear to God, could just fly somewhere without a carry-on and just be like, hip, here we go. Land, buy a swimsuit, get everything you need. But I would bring like one small carry-on. With these babies, I need like a giant suitcase, which I pack. And like Bobby and I, we're in a very heteronormative relationship where like we're traditional. Like Bobby does not know what the children have packed clothes-wise. I have color-coordinated little zippers for them. Again, I'm so bad with like, you know, gender stereotypes. Fred's clothes are all packed in this little blue zippy and Fena's are packed all in this little pink zippy. And I've got all the clothes that they're going to need plus my clothes in one big suitcase. I've got toiletries, all the creams they need out of the bath. I've got everything in there. And then there's a second bag for toys, bibs, bowls and spoons, food, formula. Fred is still drinking formula at night, which he shouldn't. He's too old for that, and I know that, but he loves it. He's like, well, I was going to call him a milk slut, but that's inappropriate for his age. But you know what I mean. I don't. I do not know how we're going to get Fred off the milk. And then I can't pack my pump because I have to express milk in the morning so that I have a bottle for the flight for Fena. So that's out and that's washed and ready to be packed after my first pump. But I mean, this is how we've forgotten it before. Violet always has her own bag. Bobby has his own clothing bag. And then Bobby and I each have a carry-on. And in that carry-on, we have the potty seat, which is absolutely key. Fred has been potty trained for a really long time. Even Fena is potty trained for poos. She has not pooed in her nappy for like months. She's eight months today, actually. Happy birthday, Fena. And we have this portable potty seat, which everyone should have. It folds up and it will go on any toilet and make it so the child doesn't fall into the toilet. I have a few toys for the plane. I have some sanitizing, like wipes and hand spray, stuff like that. A change of clothes in each bag. We're ready to go. We have the buggy. We get the babies dressed and we head off for the airport. We get there on time, even though we left the house about 20 minutes late. It doesn't matter because that early in the morning, there's very little traffic to Heathrow and we head straight up to the lounge. We're fast track check-in. Everything's great. We get to the lounge and we have to feed the babies. If you're traveling with adults, adults are more flexible about food. But if you're traveling with Fred, you need to get him to a place where he can play, stretch his legs, have some breakfast, and then you bring him onto the flight and hope that you're timing it all right so that he can sleep. This is how we've always traveled. When Fred was born, I was on tour. It was a UK and European tour. Fred has been on thousands thousands of train journeys, bus journeys, even helicopter rides and flights and car rides total. Like he travels, but we still struggle to nail it. So you got to time everything perfectly so that the children are fed and tired when they get on the flight and they're not screaming. They're stretching their legs in the lounge. I text Miriam who arrived separately and is waiting at the gate. I said, Miriam, please will you let me know when we are boarding and we will come down. And Miriam said, you bet. So Miriam texts me, oh, I think the flight now, the flight left at like um, 11.05. Now I know. Yes, it was 11.05 because Miriam texted me at 10.26 and she said, boarding. I turned to my husband, Bobby. I said, 
boarding. Bobby says, all right, let's get the troops together. So we put Fred's food away. We get him all cleaned up. He needs to go to the potty. I get out the potty seat. I put it on the toilet in the lounge. Fred has a pee. We put his shorts back on. We load him into the buggy. We get Fenna in the carrier. We venture to the escalator. Now they've got bollards in front of the escalator, which they never used to have. We've got to go down a level, but I used to just take the buggy on the escalator because I'm a pro and I always leave enough room for someone to pass me on the left. Now there are bollards and the guy goes, no, you can't take the buggy down the escalator. You have to take the lift. We're like, fuck. So we go to the lift. We get down. We're in the main part of the terminal. Oh, now we got to go down another lift. So fine. Miriam starts texting me going, where are you? Where are you? They're closing the gate. It has only been 10 minutes. I'm like, well, we're on our way. You text us boarding. We're coming. And Miriam's like, hurry, hurry. I go, yeah, we're coming. We had to take this lift. And by the way, as many flights as I've been on, they always lie about like closing the gate, boarding time. Like there's never a huge rush to get on this flight. And it's only now like 1036, the flight leaves at 1105. So I'm like, what is the fucking rush? Don't worry, Miriam. I'm 40 years old. I've never missed a flight in my life. We come out of the elevator. We get to the gate and the bus. Okay. So this is a bus service to get on the plane. Sometimes you just go through the little tunnel and other times they're like wait here and then take a fucking bus like that is the type of flight that sucks I hate the extra bus journey but the bus full of people is waiting right outside the window and no one's at the little gate check-in counters anymore except the people who work there and Miriam who's like quite flustered and Miriam goes they took us off they took us off the flight and I was like oh I I come up with the babies surely thinking that like my semi-famous face plus my two beautiful babies and teenager and husband are gonna like change this woman's mind and I go oh hi I'm sorry like we came as soon as we hard boarding and then we had to take the lift and here we are it's been like something stupid like 11 or 14 minutes something really small and I said as soon as it said boarding we left the lounge and came and she goes no we took you off the flight and I said well we're here now and the bus is outside and she goes no I'm sorry there's nothing we can do and I'm like well there is because you could just let us on that bus which is still right there and then we'll go with those people on the flight And she's like, no, it's not my decision. The controller has already made the call. He's taking you off the flight. You have to get the next flight. And I was like, ah, and I'm never rude to customer service representatives, like ever, ever. And I wasn't even rude in this occasion. I said, well, I do have to tell you, like, we have two small babies. We came as quickly as we could. We are business class. There are six of us. Our bags are already loaded on. Like, we are right here. And the flight doesn't even leave for another 20 minutes. And she goes, well, yes, but with a bus service, we cut it off at 20 minutes. And it says that on your boarding pass. And I said, yeah, but that is always a lie. Do you know what I mean? It always goes, well, gate closes at 5 p.m. for like a 10 p.m. flight. It's never true. She goes, well, with a bus service, it's true. I said, oh my gosh, well, I just, I feel like that's unreasonable. The bus is right there. She's like, no. So the bus leaves. And we really are now kicked off the flight. She goes, you can go to the customer service desk and they'll rebook you on the next flight. It's not a big deal. And I'm looking at this woman like, you don't have children because the next flight is like two or three hours from now. I'm actually headed to work. And it is a big deal for children whom we have like meticulously choreographed to hit a flight sleep window to hang around in this decrepit airport for another two or three hours. Like that is actually such a big deal to them. And I said, all right. So I left and I went to customer service and I feel bad mostly for Miriam because Miriam was at the gate. Miriam was on time and I would have been at the gate if I didn't think there was enough time to get from the lounge to the gate as soon as they called boarding. Like, I'm sorry, that's always what I do. They call boarding and then I come to the gate. And it's never been a problem until now, but I hadn't factored in the bus service. So we go to customer service desk in Heathrow and the lady was so nice, couldn't have been nicer, but she was sort of like, oh, you know, all I can do is call the ticketing line. And I was like, call the ticketing line. But like, you're in the airport, like you are the airline. Like, can't you just be patched through to someone else in the airport who can book us on the next flight? She's like, no, I'm calling the same number that you would call. And I'm like, what? She goes, I shouldn't even be doing this for you. I said, okay, but the words customer service are like over top of your head and the lady at the gate told us to come to you. So like, I'm sorry that we're wasting your time. Like, I don't know what else you've got going on today, but like, this is sort of, I think your job. I didn't say any of this because she was, she was so nice. And she ended up being able to rebook us, but it took like 40 minutes. It cost us 1,500 pounds 
And we had to wait like two hours for the next flight. And it ended up being fine, but it was a stress. And by the time we landed in Nice, they're an hour ahead. We'd been traveling all day. We didn't get to the hotel until 5.30 p.m., which was like nearly 12 hours after we left our home. And the kids kicked off a bit on the flight. Oh my God, also, Fred is two years old now, so he has to have his own seat. This lady rebooked us on a flight in the exit row of business class. So then the steward comes and he goes, yeah, these kids can't sit in the exit row. And I was like, okay, well, I didn't put them in the exit row. I'm so sorry. Like We got rebooked. I don't know where you want us to go. Luckily, two gentlemen were willing to move. I sat in one seat with Fena and Fred sat in the other seat. Well, Fred wasn't ready to be a two-year-old boy in his own seat. And he's like, I want da-da. He wanted to get out of the seat. But of course, for takeoff, he's not allowed. It was just such a fucking... Like, I'm sitting there the whole time thinking to myself, boys don't do this. Like, my male peers do not bring their babies to a stand-up gig. They do not fly with their babies. They don't drive with their babies. They don't have their babies in hotel rooms on tour. I know they do some maybe times, but like the general rule is no. Like if I was a dad in this situation, I would just go by myself, do the gig and come back. I might even stay an extra day, like drink with my friends and have a little break and come back. And my stay-at-home wife and the nanny that she has helping her would be like, oh, great job making all the money, hun." But that's not the way it works with me. Like I, for some reason, insist on making my own life as difficult as it can be. I also should have known when we landed that the hotel was two hours from the airport in Nice. So like we just didn't have any of this information. And Fred won't eat on the go the same way that Fenna will. You shovel anything into that baby. She is great. She will eat like chunks of bread. She will eat purees. She will eat anything. I got her an avocado from a deli in the airport. Like she'll drink breast milk and eat any food she's happy. But Fred is a bit more difficult than that. You know, he's like, I would like to sit at a high chair and have my meal, please. So finally we get to this beautiful hotel and my gig is in one hour. So I didn't even have time to like set everything up for bedtime. I just kind of chucked everything sort of where it needed to go and trusted that Miriam and Violet were going to be able to sort it out. Bobby and I had to get ready. And Bobby comes up to me in like different outfits being like, what do you think of this? What do you think of this for your stand-up gig? And I'm like, I think that I care less about your fucking outfit than anything else in the world right now. I have a huge corporate gig about to happen. I have to get my set together. I have to like get some notes. I have to do my makeup and hair and put my dress on. He's like, how do I use this steamer? I was like, I don't fucking care how you, you I said, take the hair dryer and blow dry your outfit with it for all I fucking care or don't come. Like now I'm just at the end of my rope mentally <laughs> because this was you know, a gig that I was really excited about. And I don't gig that often anymore. Luckily, Bobby and I made it out the door. I did this big gig and Bobby's always very kind at the end of it. He's like, I don't know how you do it. You know, you've just got this magic, you know, you had such a stressful day, such a stressful situation and you just nailed it. And like what I keep wanting to say to him is no, I didn't nail it. I like just about got away with it. And that isn't good enough during the gig, during the gig. It's a beautiful setting outdoors. Something is poking into my leg and it really actually hurts. And I was thinking, oh, maybe there's a pin in my dress, but I'm wearing Spanx under my dress. How could there be a pin in my dress? And so I'm trying to very casually like grab at the part of my meaty, meaty thigh where this stinging sensation is happening and trying to pick out like whatever is hurting me in my dress. I carry on seamlessly. You would never know that I was actually in I mean, I won't call it excruciating pain. I get Botox like willingly. I pay to get Botox. And by the way, before this gig, I'd had a round of microneedling, which is like not ideal for your face to then go into a hot climate. But I was I was healed and my skin, if you're worried about last week's microneedling podcast, my skin looks better than ever today. So I highly recommend it. But you know, things in my life hurt. Getting your eyebrows tattooed hurts, Botox hurts, facials hurt, like everything hurts, waxing hurts. So something's like really hurting me, but it's fine. I'm just carrying on with the gig. And then once it was done, I could finally relax. I was really stress-free at that point. I felt so happy to be there. The kids were in bed. Miriam had texted us. And so Bobby and I went out to an Italian restaurant. It was great. But when I got in from that, I took my dress off. I looked at my hip and I have a massive welt with like a nucleus stinger in the middle. 
And that's when I remembered, you know, I saw a lot of massive murder hornets around here. That is what happened. Like a bee must have traveled up my beautiful Dolce & Gabbana floral dress and stung me this badly through my spanks. And if you are one of the people that has a body like mine that just like reacts badly to basically everything, sunlight, grass, animals, like stings, bites, like it swelled up. And uh, that was painful for the rest of the time. And I had another gig to do while I was there. That was less stressful the second night. But, you know, the kids are displaced in a hotel room. And we're sleeping with the kids. We left Miriam to sleep in her own room. I just don't believe that someone else should look after your children all the time. I think you should have them as much as you can. But we're like four in a bed, violets in the pullout car. You know, we're struggling a little bit, considering I've got all this work to do. But I'm overall, you know, it was a it was a great, great time. On the final day, I was totally done with gigs and I did get a little bit too day drunk, which I massively regret. It's just not who I am. I barely drink at all anymore. So in the morning for the flight home, I was a little bit hungover. But we made sure, like, we don't want to make any mistakes on the flight back like we made on the way there. We're going to get to the airport mad early. We are not even going to the lounge. We're going straight to the gate, and we are going to get these kids home. We know now that it's two hours to the airport. Let's get everyone fed. Let's get everyone out the door. And even though I was hungover, we killed it. A little bit down the motorway, we find that a fucking lorry has gone, like, almost over a cliff edge and rolled And so there's a massive pileup of traffic. Like it's just miles long and Bobby checks his map and he goes, uh, we are not going to arrive at the airport until boarding time. And I thought, not again. Miriam's in the car with us. So she's in the same predicament this time. And she goes, oh, angels, please let us make it there. You know, I think Miriam's more religious than our family, though it doesn't take much to be more religious than this family. And Miriam's angels sent their magical powers down. And even though we did arrive at the airport at boarding time, by then Fred really needed the toilet. By then Fred was starving again. By then everyone was hot and annoyed. There had been a um, unattended bag, AKA bomb threat. So they'd evacuated everyone from the terminal and they weren't doing any check-ins. So for the first time in my life, I was actually glad about you know, quite a sticky situation at the airport because it meant that everyone else on our flight was in the same situation as us and they weren't going to leave on time. I just thought, thank God. And then I pulled out my French. The family always discourages me from speaking French in French countries, but I was like, this is when we need it. So I'm blasting through the airport like, oh, madame, pardon, est-ce qu'on peut uh, sauter la ligne? Parce que, I think ling, I think is cute. I was like, parce que on va manquer la vol, blah, 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 blah. And everyone was nicer to me for speaking French than they would have been if I'd had my American accent around that airport. So we are already checked in. We dropped the bags. We actually jumped the queue to drop the bags because there were people on later flights and I had to plead with them in French to let us ahead and they did. And then I had to go to oversized baggage where I dropped the pram and I said to the man, oh, monsieur, je vais manquer la vol. He let me ahead of the queue as well. Then we went through security. I pulled the same stunt and there was only one woman working on liquids in the security. So I went like this. I was the most American I've ever been in my life. I went in like found another security man and I was like oh monsieur on a besoin de la lemme and he goes and he goes behind the thing and he scanned the milk through for us and we made it and we did run we ran and we weren't like massively early but we made it to the gate and I was like so grateful because it was another bus service but we made it now I do have enemies on flights my enemies are anyone who uses the toilet I feel like if you are an adult and you're not under any extenuating circumstances, then you can pee before you board a flight. And then if it's a long flight and you've been, you know, drinking or whatever, you have to pee after like several hours. I think my cough is probably five hours. I will allow it though inside. I respect you less. But the people who get right on the flight and use the bathroom like before takeoff are fucking losers. And they really need to take my potty training class 101 themselves. I know there'll be a few people who are rushing and they didn't get a chance to use a loop, but like the number of people peeing as soon as they board a flight is just not realistic. Like I see these people sometimes sat in the lounge or sat in the gate. It's like, no, you could have peed before now. Like what is your kink with using an airplane toilet? Ya moron. So I'm not going to name any names. Someone in my family decides they need to use the toilet. And I'm like, well, 
you know, everyone's tired now, everyone's hungry, there's been this big delay, and there's a queue now for the toilet because of all these losers who board a flight and use the toilet. We were stationed on the runway for a while because now there was a backlog of flights that had to leave due to the whole bomb threat thing, but the queue just never stopped. So then finally, I see a little gap in the queue where I stand up with this person and I take them to the toilet. I have a little portable potty seat that I can use on an airplane toilet, but this person decided that that was unacceptable to them. This person sat on it and was like, "Uh, I don't really understand why this toilet's on an airplane. I'm not comfortable. Let's go back to our seat. So I said, fine. After some time, the airplane took off. Great, we're in the air, only an hour and a half and we'll be home. And then probably one more hour of bullshit at the airport and then 45 minutes of traffic and we'll be home home. And this challenge for the family will be over. We're in the air, seatbelt signs on. And this person tells me again, I need the Lulu. And I can tell by the look in their eyes that it's a shit. And I'm like, okay, well, you just wait and we're going to go to the potty again. I take the portable potty seat when the seatbelt sign goes off. Meanwhile, you know, I don't just have one child on this flight. I'm kind of trying to juggle different kids. But I take this unnamed child back to the toilet. And this time, you know, they're a little bit desperate. So they're like, all right, I will sit here. But they announced to me, I would like you read a book, please. And I'm like, no, no, you know, because there are people on this plane who really need to use the toilet. It's not like a luxurious, let's sit here and read a bunch of books situation. It's like you only use an airplane toilet if it's an emergency. I'm squatting in a cubicle that I would not otherwise enter, like unless I had an emergency. I have never gotten number two on a plane and like I won't even pee on a plane. Like I'll go all the way to Las Vegas and not pee on a plane unless is an absolute emergency. But like, I have a skill where I could just hold pee for like days if I need to. And I just hate germs. I hate airplane toilets. Like even in business class, if those of you are listening, if you've never traveled business class, it is the same bathroom on a short flight and it's gross and it's too small. And I just don't trust that people are clean. And so this person who needs the toilet is not going to the toilet. They're like, you need to read me a book. I'm like, well, I can't do that because there's a queue out the door and we have to get back to our seats. Are you going to go or not? This person says, no. I take the person back to their seat and I can see by the look on their face that they are thinking about, for the first time in a long time, shitting their pants. And I say to this person, you will not poo your pants on this flight. We will go to the loo again and that is where you will go. The same situation repeats, but now I can smell something and I'm like, this bathroom is disgusting. It really stinks this time. Like something is up, but this person is still not going to the toilet. And so I stand up and I'm like, all right, I'm going to stop squatting on this smelly floor. I'm going to wash my hands. I'm going to wash the potty seat again because it like suctions to the regular toilet. So you have to wash it each time. And I have to be cleaner than ever because I'm touching like multiple kids. I don't want to get germs on anyone. I am breastfeeding. Like I have to be 1000% like sanitized, clean as a whistle all the time. So I'm like Howie Mandela at this point, just like constantly washing my hands. And I can still smell this hard smell. By the way, never told you what I was wearing on the flight. I like to dress nicely for the airport, but in like athletic, you know, athleisure wear. So I am wearing silk Louis Vuitton track pants, like trousers, and these bright, crisp white Louis Vuitton trainers. I'm doing very well. One of my trainers is dirty. And Bobby taught me, if you're going to have nice trainers, you always have to look after them. Like, so I use the little baby wipes and wipe them off after every time I wash them. So I pick my foot up and I go to wipe it. And I see that what is actually on my bright, crisp, white Louis Vuitton trainer is a turd of poo. And that's when I put the pieces together and I look at someone's underpants and I see that while they were at their seat this second time around, they let out a little like shit stain of turd that when I plopped them back on the toilet, fell out onto the floor and I stepped in it and I've been smearing it around, like squatting in it, like getting it all over this bathroom, which is exactly why I hate bathrooms. So I am horrified, horrified. I clean up the person. I clean up my shoes. I clean up the floor, which I'm sorry, not a lot of people would have done. I clean up the floor. I have wipes. I have everything. I have sanitizer spray and like spraying the floor, wiping the floor. I leave that bathroom cleaner than it was when I went in and we go back to their seat. And I say to my husband, the person that I just took to the toilet has for the first time in a long time actually shot their pants a bit. But we think, 
Oh, well, he only needed a little one. They were out of the woods. No, no. Finally, we land. People are not on the right sleep schedules. People have not eaten what they want. People are tired. People are thirsty. People are whatever. The buggy does not appear outside the airplane where it's supposed to. It never does. And I know there are planes that you can put, the buggies that you can put in the overhead compartment. We didn't bring one of those. We brought one of the ones that we had to check into oversized baggage and we thought was going to come out. So each of us are carrying a child. Violet and Miriam are following. Actually, I think Miriam left because she was like on her way home. Yeah, by this time we've lost Miriam. I'm like, go ahead, Miriam, save yourself. It's like a war. So we're heading toward arrivals. And I say to my husband, why don't you take this person to the loo in the terminal now before we even get to baggage i'll stand here and see if the buggy's ever coming i think they still might need to go some more i could tell like i just have a spidey sense about it i can tell by the look on their face they still need to go so bobby takes them he comes out he's like no 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 they don't need to go as we're walking to the bags i could just feel like like a ripple in the universe like something is not right we're standing in the line for customs and people recognize me in this line all right we're in england now where I'm famous a little bit. People go, there's TV's Catherine Ryan, the one who infamously trained her potty kit, her children, potty trained them very, very young. What a great mom. Oh, look at all those kids with their mother. I'm sure that she brought them to work because that's who she is, an absolute idiot. And uh, they've had a lovely holiday off the back of her gig. She could have gone alone, but she didn't. She's here with all her kids. And we don't even have the nanny at this point. So I look like even more of a hero. And then out of someone's shorts, and onto the floor of the customs lineup drops a full shit. And I say, no. I point it out to Violet. She sees the horror on my face and she says, mom, they're coming. Hurry. I look at people joining the customs queue in great numbers. They must have been a bigger flight that landed and loads of people are just going back and forth, back and forth, snaking up the little roped off area into our part of the line, a line that never stops moving. We're inching forwards and I am frantically pulling out wipes and wipes. If you use baby wipes in your own life, they are not straightforward. They do not come out one at a time. They either get stuck or they come out in great clumps and then you have to unravel them. And I'm wearing Fena or someone else, by the way, in the front carrier. See, I don't want to tell you exactly who did this shit. I don't want to pin it on anyone in my family. And I hope I'm not making it obvious because I respect everyone in my family. But I'm wearing one baby. I got one baby by the hand. And I am in the process of cleaning shit off the floor, off my arms, somehow, off my hands, off someone's legs, whilst pulling down their shorts and trying to use their shorts as like a makeshift bag to get all of this poo like out. This is a public health hazard at this point. So I'm absolutely struggling. And then I arrive at the front of customs, having cleaned the floor successfully, having cleaned my arms, I mean successfully for the moment, having cleaned the legs off my children. I have three children and my husband at customs facing an officer. And one of my children is naked from the waist down. Luckily, they had a long shirt on, so you couldn't really see anything. But no one really asked, like, hey, why is one of your kids naked from the waist down? Like, I think they could just see, like, the absolute trauma in my eyes and on my face. And people had seen, luckily, not many people because we cleared it all up fast enough before, like, the big line of people joined us. But it was just, I'm like, if it's not one thing, it is another thing. And one wonderful, I don't know what they're called at Heathrow. He's like a line manager. You know, he's not behind the desk at customs, but he's like directing all the people at customs. He appears like an angel with a plastic bin bag. And he goes here. And into the bin bag, I deposited the shorts, shorts that I loved actually, loads of wipes, all of my garbage and the shit that I had like bundled up like a present. It's a sick, dark game of pass the parcel. And he said, I've worked in an airport for 20 years. I've seen it all. Don't worry about it. He goes, how old is he? I said, two. And he said, why isn't he in a nappy? And I was like, because he's potty trained. The man just looked at me like, you mad bitch. And then we didn't get the buggy. Once again, like Heathrow owes me a buggy. We got the bags. We went home. It was, you know, did it build us 
closer together as a family, like bring us closer. I don't really know. Were there any lessons that were taken away? Like, I think I'm the only one who learns like hard truths and tolerance and patience and lessons on these flights. But like, ultimately, I just feel like it's, I can't do it. I can't do it yet. But you wait, family, anyone listening from my family, you fucking wait until everyone's a little bit older. I am going to book like the most amazing tour. I'm going to tour like all the bucket list cities that I ever wanted to go to. I'm just going to go there alone, alone, guilt-free, shamelessly like, oh, I had an awesome gig in Ibiza. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to become a DJ and I'm going to go to places where my kids are not welcome. (laughs) I love my kids, but like, I just don't see other people juggling with like shit on their arms plus really important stand-up gigs. So that was my weekend. How was yours? Ooh, Taryn Manning. You know who this is. She was the love interest in 8 Mile and she plays like Pensatucky or something, some name like that in Orange is the New Black. This poor girl. I mean, you know, it's a real Britney situation by the looks of it. But she went on her Instagram the other night and published a video which has since been deleted but is available to see online but I mean I would almost encourage you not to watch it she issued an apology the next day she said like you know I was out of my mind I shouldn't have posted that video please give me privacy I'm trying to navigate quite a heartbreaking situation the video was her being like so I've been fucking a married man and I've been licking his asshole every night and his wife has said she's going to get a restraining order on me and put me in jail because I'm a lunatic. Well, he came to me, honey, to get his asshole licked because he loves it. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, these are the oversharers that, like, why wasn't I following Taryn Manning? Who knew she had, like, this A1 content to give? And she was in her car filming this, and she seemed, like, I don't know, because there are a lot of, like, prescription drugs in America that I don't really understand about, but she seemed drunk to me. And all the news outlets who are um, reporting on it, they go, blah, 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 this happened, she said this, she said that, she issued an apology. And then at the end of the article, it goes, if you are struggling with any alcohol abuse addiction issues, da, 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 contact this support line. So like there's an undertone of, you know, I think she struggled with substance abuse or alcohol abuse before, and it seems like she just had a really bad day, a really bad day. And this is why, like, I think all phones should be fitted with breathalyzers. So if you are not yourself, you should not even be able to log into your phone. You can't text an ex, you can't make a video, you can't post a thirst trap, you can't do anything while inebriated. Like, think about it. You can't go on a TV show drunk now. You certainly shouldn't be driving a car drunk, operating heavy machinery. There's a lot of things caring for a child. You can't do any of that drunk. You can't swim drunk. You shouldn't do anything drunk. But you can publish a video like that to like millions of followers and the whole world. Oh my gosh, it just must be. I mean, yeah. Put your phone down when you've had one drink. Just one. Put your phone down. Two drinks? No, you shouldn't have your phone. Pick it up like because as soon as you think you're not drunk, that's how you know that you're drunk. Allegedly drunk, I should say. Please drink responsibly and let's have some words from our sponsors now on that note. When we return, I will see what your letters have for us today. Your dilemmas, your questions, your comments. If you ever want to send me a note, it is telling everyone. No, it isn't. Telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.
Oh boy, here we go. Catherine, my wife doesn't want a threesome, but I think I deserve one. Catherine, I'm in a 15 plus year relationship with my wonderful wife. We've been together since our late teenage years. We have no children and we are happily married. We enjoy spending time together and in general, we have a fun and adventurous sex life. We love each other, we support each other in our personal lives, and we are happy together. About five years ago, I brought up the idea of inviting another girl into the bedroom with us. Ew, why are you calling it girl and not woman? Just so you know, that's a huge red flag. That's just like if you said female. My wife was quick to shut this down. A little while later, I felt that I had not given her an accurate idea of what I want. How can she consent if she doesn't have all the info? So I brought it up again. I explained that this would be a special gift just for me. I would not expect her to sexually engage with the other girl. My wife and the other girl would just focus exclusively on me if you catch my drift. It is a treat just for me. Again, my wife shut it down. What the f- All right. So you want to have a sexual experience that's a gift that's just for you. And you're trying to explain to your wife like, oh, maybe you got the wrong idea. Maybe you think that there'd be some pleasure in this for you. Let me just clarify, there won't be. There will be nothing for you. I'm totally fine with the fact that it makes you uncomfortable. The girl's not gonna touch you. No one's gonna touch you. What it is, is a pure sacrifice of you and this girl, and I'm using the word girl instead of woman because I'm a prick. You and this girl will be like, blowing me or whatever the fuck. I'm using you both like toys, um, play things with no agency, just soulless vessels, like cum dumpsters, essentially. So you explained all of that to your wife and she was still against the idea. Wow. My wife is really pretty and she has a great figure. She is a tall, sexy blonde, and she's usually willing to try different ideas in the bedroom. I tell her all the time how much I love her and how much she gets me going. A three-way with another girl has always been on my bucket list, but I just always assumed it would happen at some point, so I didn't actively bring it up or pursue it when we were younger. Now I'm getting worried that I won't have this experience. Every few months, this conversation comes up, but I always end up backing down because I don't want to be too pushy. I told my wife that if she's not willing to do this with me, I would like the opportunity to pursue this experience outside the marriage as a purely physical act. That's nice of you. No emotions or relationships whatsoever. There is nothing to fear. After all these years, my love and commitment and loyalty are beyond reproach. My wife gave me a thinly veiled ultimatum. If I want to do that, maybe we should reevaluate our marriage. Well, yeah, because... As much as it sounds like it's very easy for you to separate love and sex, your wife, for some crazy reason, has these intertwined. And you've been together 15 years in a monogamous marriage, and you find her sexy, and you guys have a great adventurous sex life, and this is a boundary for her. So I think what she's trying to say to you is that if you want to violate her boundaries, even after she's made herself clear, then you need to reevaluate your marriage which I believe is perfectly fair. And I know that you're thinking like, well, this is a thing that I want for myself. And why is my wife standing in my way? And it is reminiscent of a bit that Patrice O'Neill had about faithfulness and monogamy in a relationship. Patrice O'Neill sadly passed away from complications of diabetes. And it was such a loss to the comedy community. I always found him so funny. And he talks about being mad at his girlfriend sometimes because he sees another woman and like she is the reason he can't have them titties, his words, not mine. And it makes him mad at her. He's like, shit, I could have these titties, but because of you, I can't have those titties. And um, because you've never brought something like this up before, I feel like you're changing the goalposts of what she thought she was subscribing to in your relationship. And I don't know how you would feel if she told you she wanted to have a threesome with two bullies outside your marriage. You know, like, would that be a boundary violation for you? Like, this obviously is for her. The dilemma is this. I want to try this. My wife does not. On one side, my belief in consent tells me that I should respect my wife's wishes and I should not force her. The other side of the argument is about my lack of freedom and being forced to miss out on a life experience because of what she wants or doesn't want. 
I could not and would never want to force her to do something she doesn't want to do. But why can she force me to miss out on a life experience? Why does she have this power? Why is her right to consent more important than my freedom to live life? Do I want to be with somebody who wants to restrict my life experiences? Somebody who gives me ultimatums to avoid putting themselves in out-of-the-norm situations. For the record, I have never issued an ultimatum on this matter. She brought that card into play. What a fucking bitch she is, huh? All right. So the the trouble is, is like, you don't believe in consent. Like, you know what consent is and you feel like you should have to abide by it. But you're like, my belief in consent tells me I shouldn't force her. But you are trying to force her. Do you know what I mean? You're like, I want to do this thing. And you've brought it to her because you are no longer a single man who's just able to do this with consenting partners. You have entered into a legally binding spiritual agreement where you are partnership now with someone. So if you two owned a business together and you wanted to invest in something, your business partner would have veto power, just like your wife has veto power to be like, in this partnership, I don't consent to that. In this partnership, I'm not comfortable with that. And you're like, but I want to do whatever I want. It's like, you need to think, you know, if you thought of your wife as an equal in a business partnership, which is essentially what you have with all types of, you know, extra uh, romantic and love entanglements, right? Then (laughs) that's the deal. Some people on Reddit say that I am a pig for even suggesting this to my wife. I don't agree. Marriage requires honesty and communication. Some tell me I should get over myself and that this is the ultimate first world problem. Others say I should compromise, but I believe that what I'm doing is not compromise. This is me just backing down every single time. In any case, the compromise argument is a stupid response from people who have not truly listened to the problem because there's no middle ground with this. It either happens or it doesn't. I think it's lazy to just assume the guy is the villain who always wants more. There are two sides to this problem. Am I wrong to think that after so many years of always submitting to her way, she should now do something for me for just a few hours out of her life? Is that too much to ask? Am I out of line to think this way? Is she being selfish if she stops me from pursuing something like this outside the marriage? Or am I really a selfish, greedy, toxic male pig? Here's the headline of what I think. I don't think you want to have a threesome at all. I think that you have a kink for people telling you that you're a fucking asshole because you've posted this on Reddit and everyone has been like, you're bad. You're a bad, toxic, greedy male pig. And now you've messaged me about it and you think that I, me, me, I'm going to be like, your wife should totally let as many women into the bedroom to fuck you. Like you just want to be called a dirty, filthy boy again. You know what I mean? Like that, you're jerking off to this right now. That's what I really think. Second bold, I think you've been watching too much Sex and City revamp and just like that, where these like super open, woke relationships are happening with older people that don't really exist in most marriages. If you've not been watching and just like that, I would not suggest you get into it because it it honestly makes me sick now. And I shut it off when I had to listen to the compound word curry lingus and I'm out. I'm out. And you entered into a marriage with someone who wants to have a traditional partnership and she's been very open and she's very beautiful, as you say, with a sexy body and she satisfies you. So why are you now telling me like, I always submit to her will and I'm not allowed to have a threesome. It's like, guess what? She's not stopping you from having a threesome. Go out and have a threesome. But with every action, there is a consequence. And in this partnership, it just happens that, uh, and by the way, it's not a few hours of her life if she does it. Like it's emotional trauma. It's not just like, oh, okay, I could let an, watch another woman suck my husband's dick for a few a few hours. Who the fuck do you think you are? You, If this is happening for you, it is a 90 second job and you're paying for it. But number two, like she's going to replay that in her mind and she's going to have resentment in the marriage and it is just going to destroy the marriage. Whether she does it or not, whether she lets you do it without her or not, she has told you that this is a boundary and you're making her uncomfortable. And if your line in the sand is, I want to be able to have threesomes, then you as a couple have reached an impasse. She can't 
continue with the marriage, knowing that you've had a threesome elsewhere or, or like having witnessed it herself. And so with every action is a consequence, have your threesome, lose your wife. And then she is going to find someone, like you've said, she is the full package. She is an amazing, sexy lady. She's going to move on and be very happy with someone who doesn't use the word girl when he's referring to a woman and who wants to have a traditional relationship. And are you a dirty, filthy, greedy, but you're not, you just have different sexual boundaries. So you are incompatible in that regard. So this is an impasse. You need to split up with your wife and go find someone who also wants to have experiences like this. And your relationship's not a failure. You had 15 years of a great marriage and now you're getting old and you're like, I want to have threesomes. And so you can have one free threesome, like I told you that you pay for that costs you your marriage and probably like $200. And then you're going to be single in a bachelor apartment wanking into a bin. Oh, this is useful. Catherine, don't say Pornhub. I work in public health in the community, access lots of sex positive stuff online. If you are going to talk about porn sites, please, please, please make them women focused and safe. Belessa is run by women and is ethical as much as porn can be. Just thoughts while I listen this Sunday afternoon. Okay. So when I say Pornhub, I shouldn't be directing you to porn from that. I should say Belessa, B-E-L-L-E-S-S-A. I'll take your word for it. I don't watch any porn ever at all. I'm not interested. Catherine, married woman crushing on her married boss. I'm happily married and I have been with my husband for 11 years. However, two years ago, I started a new job and I've been crushing on my married boss ever since. They're both like around the same age. In recent months, we've grown close and I think our personal and professional relationship is getting blurry. Nothing has happened. Neither of us has massively overstepped the mark, but there is a vibe and neither of us is shutting the other down as we know we should. My problem is that I'm all consumed about wondering whether my boss likes me back. I can't stop analyzing every conversation and text message between us. It's feeding my crush on him, and I feel like a 15-year-old girl wondering if a boy fancies me. I just want him to either make a move or tell me to get lost, as I think I would back off either way. It's the not knowing that's driving me to flirt or message him back. How do I get over this before I make a fool of myself and risk the best job I ever had? HR is not an option. Oh, honey, you do not need to be messing with a married man at all, period, point blank. And he is just flirting with you. Likely, he's never going to leave his wife. He doesn't have any intentions on pursuing a real romantic relationship. This is the thing. Grass is always greener on the other side. And you are a lovely woman who has started this new job two years ago and you don't have this guy's kids and you're not nagging him about getting the furnace fixed and he doesn't have to see you like with food poisoning you know what I mean you're like this sexy special thing at work and you're showing him attention and he's responding to that but men are very I mean I don't want to paint everyone with the same brush but like stupid a lot of them I'm sorry you listened to the previous email and he's just like, oh, this girl at work's being nice to me. Like, it is a mess. Like, even if he's about to leave his wife and start a whole thing, it's not your business because it is a mess for you. And Khloe Kardashian lost Tristan the same way she got him. He had another woman pregnant. He was flirting with Khloe. Oh, he got with Khloe. Well, guess what happened when Khloe was pregnant? He got with someone else. And so if you want to be looking over your shoulder in a relationship with this guy forever, thinking that he's going to fall in love with the next hot thing that comes into the office, you are absolutely bang on right. He probably will. Or, I mean, I think a little bit of flirtation. You haven't given me any details. I don't know exactly what's going on here. I really don't think that you should be texting him. But those are my boundaries in a relationship. Oh, no, they're not actually. Like I text my guy friends from work all the time and Bobby doesn't give a shit. Maybe his wife doesn't care. Like maybe his wife's like, yeah, you can be friends with girls at work and text back and forth. But I wouldn't call my texts with like Ramesh or Jeff Norcott or Rob Beckett like sexy or flirtatious at all, ever. So you know if you're crossing a boundary that you wouldn't want to be crossed with you. And if he has a mess going on at home, don't confront him about it. Don't ask him about it. Don't give him any reason to speed it up or slow it down, you just be friends with everyone at work. Keep your life nice and simple and uncomplicated. Let's not have someone's wife keying your car, smashing your windows up, embarrassing you, fighting you in the parking lot. Let's not have someone else's children on the M25 every weekend. Let's not ruin a man's life. 
just wait. There are plenty of divorced, legitimately divorced or separated or single men out there for you. And this is like naughty and it feels fun, but I promise you it is a whole can of not interested. It is bullshit. You will metaphorically be cleaning shit off a customs lineup floor if you go any further with this. It's not who you are. This is going to end one way and it's going to be you pulled over, drunk in your car, making an Instagram video, being like, I licked his butthole every night and his wife is a fucking bitch and she's calling me crazy. He came to me. He came to me, honey, and deleting that off the internet after it goes viral and issuing an apology video. You go watch that Taryn Manning video, all right? No shame, you know, Taryn Manning has her own demons to deal with, but you watch that video. That video is what the other woman looks like. Don't be Taryn Manning. Have a good week. Go fuck someone who's single. Wow. Well, that is all the time we have for today because the man who wanted me to call him a pig wrote such a long email about threesomes. I don't know what he thought I was going to do. Put my hat in the ring? No, thank you. I hope that you're having a lovely time enjoying what's left of the summer. Have one little day drink for me, not more than one. Please drink responsibly or you'll be flying hungover and making crazy videos in your car. Please write me an email if you ever want to. It's telling everybody everything at gmail.com. I would love it if you tell your friends about this podcast. If you share like clips of this podcast, uh, I didn't actually make any clips this week. If you share this podcast on your socials, I love doing the podcast. I'm very blessed to do the podcast. And if you are coming to the roundhouse tomorrow, Thursday, August 17th, or maybe that day has passed you by, but you should listen to the podcast on time, then I will see you there. I'm excited to get back out doing stand-up. If you don't already have my book, it is called The Audacity. It is available for your holiday as an audiobook, Kindle, paperback, or hardcover. I will see you next week. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com